0: Well, greetings to you all. How you doing? It's good to be with you. I'm excited about being able to do the program here in just a little bit and excited about the concert tonight. I've been with Answers in Genesis about 16 years. I just found that out uh, this week. and Ken uh, introduced me in front of the audience. I had my 60th birthday, Friday, and so they roasted me big time. They brought a doctor up on stage to give me a physical. I think we had about 900 people watching me get a physical. So the doctor puts his, puts his uh, uh, thumb on my pulse, and he goes, one, two, and it just went downhill from there. So, Anyway, uh, it's, it's a great ministry to work for. I love being a part of it. I have to pinch myself to know that I'm a part of Answers in Genesis, a ministry that takes God's word as being true and not apologizing for any word that's in the Bible. It's about the authority of Scripture. and Can we trust God's Word? And the answer is yes, we can hook, line, and sinker. and we need not apologize for any word that's in the Bible. And so our ministry takes that stand. We deal a lot with creation and evolution, but mainly our ministry is about the authority of God's Word. Uh, I wear several different hats in the ministry. I, I do a lot of the children's programs. I'm at Answers in Genesis this time of year, the first two weeks out of the month during the weekdays and then during the weekends, uh, I'm on the road doing like what I'm doing right here. And uh, I'm the singer for Answers in Genesis. I write the songs. I do a lot of videos for boys and girls as well. We have some of our videos that's uh, back on the book table saying that. A brand new video that's out is uh, Animal Kinds. And uh, it's it's just an awesome video. I want to get the seeds planted in young people's minds that you can trust God's Word. And I guarantee you the world is out there trying to say something different. You don't need to believe the Bible anymore. Believe what we've got to say, what the world has to say. And we want to change that. We want people to know that... It's God's Word first, above the opinion of man. So I do children's videos, children's talks, workshops. I teach the boys and girls how to sculpture dinosaurs, and I say that because I'm a dinosaur sculptor. Most of the dinosaurs that you'll see in the Creation Museum I've sculptured. I've been sculpturing dinosaurs for about 100 years. (laughs) And uh, and anyway, I've been doing a lot of them. I think I've sculptured well over 100 life-size dinosaurs. About 20 of them are on exhibit. So um, I I don't know. We write books, and... um, my wife writes books with me on, uh, especially on animals, and animals are used a lot. Again, um, you, you pick up almost any wildlife book, and it's millions of years. You watch almost any wildlife show, you see it. this is not true. Any wildlife show you watch, someplace it might not have anything to do with the subject, but they're going to talk about millions of years in evolution. And Kay and I got tired of that, and we said, let's write some books where God will receive the glory of creation. Because I think that there's who should receive the glory of creation. So, we'll tell you a little bit more about my, my uh, uh, work with dinosaurs in this talk that we're going to do. Invite you all to come back tonight. It's going to be fun. Uh, we'll be singing. So I do family type concerts. And I'm, I'm really a folk singer. Some people call me a country, a Christian country singer. I'm a folk singer. I sing folk music. And, and uh, uh, when Answers in Genesis first hired me, they said, uh, uh, buddy, we can tell that you've got country in your background, that's for sure, but we don't think, we don't think that you're a country singer, so we're not going to pr- promote you as being our uh, Christian country singer at Answers in Genesis. I said, oh, really? And they said, no, we're not going to do that. They said, and, and we can sure tell that you're not a rap singer. <laughs> that's good. They said, we, we think you're, you, you stand up there with your guitar and your songs a lot of times kind of tell a story. We think you are a folk singer. I said, so I'm a folk singer. They said, yep. I said, that's cool. (laughs) I said, that way I can tell the audience that I'm a folk singer and nobody expects me to be really good. (laughs) Well, we're going to be probably telling you guys more about dinosaurs than you ever wanted to know. But I think that this is an important subject to know, especially for, for the church in this day and age that we're living in. And uh, the reason I say that, the reason I believe that this talk is so relevant to the church today, so important, is because did you know that dinosaurs are used more than any other animal to cause people to doubt God's word? Dinosaurs are used more than any other animal because uh, when you think of dinosaurs, you think of millions of years, don't you? You think of evolution. That's what most people think of when you think of dinosaurs. That's why I say that. So we need to know how to defend our faith, and God's Word tells us to be able to defend our faith. 1 Peter 3.15 is telling us to be ready always to give a reason for the hope that is placed within us with meekness and fear. And the meekness and fear means that we need to be polite when we do that. And I know that sometimes when somebody comes against you, and I guarantee you it answers in Genesis, you would not believe the mail that we get, that people that are against us. That's unbelievable. I mean, just really hate what we're doing. And so you, you, you win them over with love, with meekness, and with fear is what that's telling us. And so um, somebody here might say, well, you know, I don't need to know about dinosaurs and, 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 and church of all things. Um, for, in fact, buddy, I believe in creation. I've always believed in creation. I never did believe in evolution. Uh, some of you might feel that way. But, but I challenge you. This is a challenge. It's, I'm glad that you believe in creation if you do, and probably most of you do. But the challenge is, ask your son or your daughter. And ask them, did dinosaurs live millions of years ago? And if they tell you, yes, that's what we learned in school, you've got a problem. Because you don't get that out of God's Word. Ask them, uh, did dinosaurs live before people? And they say, oh, yeah, dinosaurs. In fact, they died out millions of years before people evolved. Hey, big problem. Because you don't get that out of God's word, do you? Ask them, Did dinosaurs evolve into birds? And if they say, oh yeah, we, we, that's what we learn in school and, and everybody knows dinosaurs are birds. Problem. You don't get that out of God's word. So that's why this is very relevant. I hope to be able to share some information that will excite you about God's word and get you in fire. Because I tell you what, once you get a hold of this, and, one, and, and, and once you start to understand about creation and how important it is, and once you understand that you can get answers that make sense, that's different than what the world is telling us, you'll have another view of the Bible. You will be on fire. You can go to the moon. I know. I've been doing this for years. I used to believe in evolution. When I first started to sculpture dinosaurs, even though I was saved... Had I died, I would have went to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that if you believe in evolution, you're not going to go to heaven. I I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I was duped into believing in the millions of years in evolution and it undermined the authority of God's Word. And I can promise you this much. Once I found out the truth, it put me on a whole new level in trusting God's Word. And now I'm out doing what I'm doing now because I have a passion to spread this message to the world. So that's why this, this talk is very, very relevant. I know I was at a dinosaur symposium several years ago, and there's a man who stood up, and he says, you know, he was an evolutionist. He says, we can use dinosaurs to teach kids anything that we want. And I sat back there in the seat, and I thought, yep, we can use them to teach the authority of God's Word, too. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So saying that, the world will often try to take dinosaurs and fit it into the Bible, but we're going to be a bit radical. We're going to use the Bible as the authority, And with the Bible, we're going to fit dinosaurs into the world. Now, I should stand up here and and tell you guys right now that we love science at Answers in Genesis. A a lot of people on our staff are scientists, graduate at the same universities that that many of the evolutionists do, but our people uh, believe in God's words. It's taking the authority over man. Um, For instance, I'm going to ask you guys a question. You, you, You tell me this. I often ask boys and girls this. Has every scientist always been there? No. Does every scientist know everything? No. Next to God, you can have a million PhDs. Next to God, that's brain dead. Really is. <laughs> really is. And, and we get very arrogant with our degrees. And, I lo- I, and, and, and I'm saying many people on our staff have the doctorate degrees, but they'll tell you the same thing that I'm telling you. We trust God's words first. Okay, so not every scientist has always been there. Not every scientist knows everything. Hey, who's always been there? He's eternal. Yeah. Who knows everything? So who do you think we should trust first, God or the scientist? What a poor view we have of the Bible when we don't believe his word. What a low view of scripture. So we can trust God's word. So we're going to use the Bible and we're going to take dinosaurs into the world. Saying that, the Bible is the history book of the universe. What is the Bible? Ah, oh, the Bible's history book of the universe. Okay, all right. Uh, you mean I can trust its history? Absolutely. I can trust its history. Well, when I build dinosaurs, I can tell you right now, I've never seen a live dinosaur to know what they look like, all right? All we're working at is the bones. But if you watch some of these blockbuster movies, that it seems that we know everything. I mean, even when they walk, you see their muscles shaking. I mean, it looks so convincing, like it's a real animal. Like, we know everything there is about dinosaurs. We got it all figured out. Not. Here's a quote from an evolutionist. At least this guy's very honest. He says any time you see an extinct dinosaur drawn with flesh on the bone and skin on the place, you are seeing a bit of, what's that word? He's being very honest there. Using dinosaurs as our authority, or the Bible is our authority. We're going to take dinosaurs into the world, and I should say that uh, our facts are the same as the evolutionists. We, We are not disagreeing with the facts. We're disagreeing with the interpretation of the facts. We have the same set of facts that the evolutionists do. Don't have any problem with the facts, but a different starting point will give you different conclusions. For instance, if this would be our starting point, what is this? Can I have another take on that? Yeah, Triceratops. Not only do you know it's a dinosaur, you know what kind of dinosaur. You said it's Triceratops. Now what if I would have shown you this picture first? Notice that the facts haven't changed. But the starting point did. What would you say it is now? It's a bird. Some people say a rooster. Some people say it's a chicken. Same set of facts, but our starting point. The world doesn't believe God's word. They have a different starting point. They're starting with time, matter, and chance. A big explosion happened, and this explosion was only about the size of a period on a page. But boy, was it ever powerful. And it went bang. And from that size of the period on a page, we have not only all the millions of galaxies that's out there, we have this earth with people that's on it, all from the size of a period on a page, if that's your starting point. And they think we're radical? <laughs> I heard one guy that was interviewed, and he says, well, he says, I think that we evolved from crystals. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I just trust God's word. God speaks, and it is done. God is the creator. God's the one that created time. Once upon a time, there was a time when there wasn't even any time. Time didn't exist until God created time. And we, we live in time. We can only see things in, in the realm of time. But time once eternity. That's why you can't even measure eternity. It's unmeasurable. God stands outside of time. He, he spoke and we started time. The sun appeared and the moon appeared And on and, and day one of creation. Time didn't exist until God created time. We understand things in time. Well, did dinosaurs really exist? Get back on the subject here. Did dinosaurs really exist? Now Some people tell me, well, they don't, they, you know, dinosaurs. I think it's just something that was made up by Satan to fool people. I've had people tell me that. We was just on a dinosaur dig out in uh, Montana, Uh, last week. And here we are digging up Triceratops, in fact. Of course dinosaurs existed. And all the red dots show you all over the world where you find dinosaurs are found on every continent there is. But what is a dinosaur anyway? Well, to answer that, we should say, what is not a dinosaur? For instance, mastodons and mammoths, they are not dinosaurs. I live about 20 miles, I live in a little place called Henpeck, Ohio. Henpeck. How would you like to have that for an address? My wife just loves it there. <laughs> but I live in a little place called Henpack, Ohio. Kay and I—we live in an old log cabin. Our cabin's about a 180-year-old log cabin, original cabin. We live on about a 65-acre farm. Nice place to live if you're an artist like myself. About 20 miles from where I lived uh, about 10 years ago, there's a guy who was building a golf course. Actually, he had the golf course, and he's making a, a, a like a pond in the golf course, and it was in a bog, and a backhoe hooked into a skull pulled out this big skull. It was a uh, mastodon. And they found out some more pieces and more pieces. That night on the evening news, I can remember this, uh, the anchor man stood up and he says, Central Ohio, we have just found a dinosaur. Nope, mastodons and mammoths are not dinosaurs. He had to come back on and say, well, we didn't find a dinosaur. We found a mammoth, all right, or a mastodon. In fact, I got a casting of it. If you come to the museum, we just got this casting up about a month ago. And I got a casting of that complete mastodon right here, but they are not dinosaurs. saber Sabertooth tigers, well, not dinosaurs. Uh, what about pterodactyls? Well, you often see them in dinosaur books, but pterodactyls are not dinosaurs. Nope. Plesiosaurs, you often see a plesiosaur in a lot of dinosaur books that you'll pick up, but they're not dinosaurs. They're swimming creatures. What in the world is a dinosaur then? Well, the crocodile hunter, he used to kiss these guys on the nose. Remember that? Crocodiles and kiss them on the nose. And... I've been to the Crocodile Hunter Zoo a couple of times in Australia. Crocodiles, alligators, nope, they are not dinosaurs. Now, if the crocodile hunter would say, I'm kissing a dragon on the nose, you know what? He'd be closer to being right because dragons would take on a bigger category. It would take in dinosaurs along with swimming creatures and flying creatures like pterosaurs the dragon legends, but we're not going to be talking about dragons directly. We're talking about today just dinosaurs, but I'm telling you that dinosaurs would fit into the dragon legends. Dinosaurs were land animals, creatures that lived on the land. Modern paleontologists, that's what they would tell you. That's how they distinguish a dinosaur. They didn't walk sprawl-legged like a lizard. You know how a lizard or a crocodile will walk with its legs out like this here? Dinosaurs walk with their legs directly underneath their body like this here. You tell by the hip structure one of the ways that you can tell about a dinosaur. Then they're divided into two different groups. You have your bird-hip dinosaurs and you have your lizard-hip dinosaurs. What's interesting to me is a a, a lot of paleontologists, uh, they're trying to make dinosaurs fly, but the dinosaur that has a hip structure that's closer to the bird, in fact, they call them bird-hip dinosaurs, they know there's no way you're gonna make that stegosaurus fly. That's that big one back there with the big old plates going up his back can't make that guy fly so somehow given enough time this other dinosaur that has the lizard hips well it's a little bit more streamlined and if we just really use our imagination you can imagine that finger growing out a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little bit longer eventually turned into a wing and eventually scales turned into feathers and boy that's their evidence for dinosaurs and, you often see uh, pictures like this here, and they'll say, what you're looking at right here is a modern-day dinosaur, birds or dinosaurs. In fact, there's a, there's a famous paleontologist, I won't mention his name, but in the last chapter of his book, he says, the next time you see the geese flying overhead, you can say that the dinosaurs are migrating. That's what he says. And in and, and fact, at this dinosaur symposium that I was at several years ago, um, all the uh, paleontologists and the scientists, they were setting in this symposium. They said, guys and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to serve you dinosaur for supper. You know what it was? Chicken. Yeah. Because they believed uh, birds are dinosaurs. Uh, that's, that's what they think. Uh, you know, if that's true, we'd have an interesting Thanksgiving, don't you think? <laughs> yep, we could eat a long time on that bird. All right. I have a good friend of mine, Dr. David Minton. He works for us. In fact, he, he taught at a university where it teaches doctors how to be doctors. He is a professor there. And he, he studies with an electromicroscope. He says he can take just a cell and blow it up to the size of Memphis, Tennessee, looking all through the cell. And he says, I study feathers. He says, I can tell you there is no way that a scale can evolve into a feather. He said, now, if they'd want to make a case that a hair turned into a feather, he says, that would be a bit more believable, but that is even impossible but they'd be a little bit closer, so it's impossible. But you'd often see, used to see in a lot of textbooks, uh, pictures of Archaeopteryx. This is a fossil of a famous uh, um, bird, and they said, well, you can see that this bird is evolving from a reptile, from a, from a dinosaur, has that long tail, got claws on its hands, it's got teeth, and so I, I learned how to sculpture life-size dinosaurs by being a taxidermist. So I took two pheasants, and I made what Archaeopteryx might look like and, of course, I don't know what color it'd be or anything like that, but it represent. That, I'm just shooting for, you know, something that would look a little bit like Archaeopteryx. And, and and you can see that it has claws on its wings. And some people might say, well, you know, that that shows that it's a part reptile, part bird. But the ostrich has claws on its wings, and everybody knows it's a it's, a, it's 100% bird. The Hawatson. In fact, the baby Watson has three claws on its wings, but it's 100% bird. Nobody thinks it's an intermediate form. And by the way, Archaeopteryx has now been taken out of the textbooks. On the most part, nobody believes that Archaeopteryx is an intermediate form anymore. But they used to say, well, you know, it, it's got these claws on the wings and it's got teeth. And it's true, we have no birds today that has teeth, but Archaeopteryx had teeth. And I love the way Dr. Dwayne Geese used to answer this to, to his audience he would say, well, he says, the fact that Archaeopteryx had teeth, he says, really doesn't mean anything. He says, for instance, he says, we have some fish that have teeth and some don't. He says, we have some amphibians that have teeth and some don't. You have some reptiles that have teeth, some don't. Some mammals have teeth and some don't. Some people have teeth and some don't. (laughs) I love to hear him tell that story. But this is, this is my Velociraptor that I, that I sculptured for the uh, Creation Museum. But you go to a lot of museums today and this is the way they're making them look because they so badly want people to believe. And you show enough pictures of this and you talk about it enough and put it in enough books, you know what? People start believing. And that's exactly what's happened. People are buying into this. Alan Fredocia, he's a... a, a a well-known um, uh, man who works with birds, and, and he's an expert on fossilized birds, and at this dinosaur symposium that I was at several years ago, the big, big push was to make everybody believe that dinosaurs evolved into birds. And uh, anybody you talk to, that's what, that's what the buzz was, right? And this guy gets up, and, and, and he's one of the speakers, and he was not one of the most popular speakers, but he's an expert in this area. And he says, guys... You're wrong. And here's what he said. In spite of some paleontologists, what's that word? Desperate. Desperate, pleads for us to accept through, through faith the dinosaur and origin of avian flight. The details of the origin of birds remains elusive. After more than 150 years, he's saying it's impossible. It'd be easier to get this guy to fly than it would be a dinosaur. <laughs> Now, if you could find something like this, you might have a point. I might listen to them, but I don't don't think we need to worry about finding anything that looks like that in the fossil record for sure. But they'll look at the skeleton of a bird, and they'll say, well, look at the skeleton of a dinosaur. You can see a lot of similarities there. There's a lot of dissimilarities, too. And I like to explain it this way. You expect a designer that has a plan that would work, God... It has a plan that will work. He'll use a similar design in several different things. But that don't mean that one evolved into another, does it? For instance, you can have a house right here and you can watch a carpenter build a house with all the 2 by is going up and all the sills and stuff. You can look over here and you can see another carpenter building another house that uses the same structure, but this house didn't evolve into that house. It took a designer to do it. For instance, here's two skeletons. Look very similar. You got to put all that critter together, and there's a lot of dissimilarities, too. Okay? Here's a skeleton of a human and a gorilla. I can promise you, only one's ever going to read a book. This is my Jeep. I could say, wow, look what happened over a million years. (laughs) You can see similarities. But there's a lot of dissimilarities. I have a good friend of mine. He believes in evolution. He, he's an evolutionist. And he came up to me and he says, Buddy, he says we know evolution took place. He said, just look at the evolution of the automobile, buddy. I said, friend, that first car never made itself. It took a designer. It took a lot of plans to build that first automobile. You can have as many explosions in a steel factory as you want, and you're never going to get a car. <laughs> and a car is not nearly as complicated as one cell in our body. Not, don't even come close. If our facts are the same, why doesn't the Bible mention dinosaurs? You know, that's, that's, that's a good question because you can't look in the Bible and find the word dinosaur. But there's a good answer for that too because it's a brand new word invented by this man right here. His name is Sir Richard Owen. Everybody say that name for me. Sir Owen. Very important that you remember that. Uh, No wonder you can't look in the Bible and find the word dinosaur. This is the man who invented the word dinosaur in the year 1841, so it's a brand-new word. Can I look in the Bible and find the word computer? Of course not. It's a brand-new word. Can I look in the Bible and find the word motorcycle? Of course not. Brand-new word. I can't look in the Bible and find the word dinosaur because it's a brand-new word invented in 1841 by Sir Richard Owen. But the Bible talks about a dinosaur-like creature, and it calls it behemoth. And let me set this up. This is God. This is in Job chapter 40, starting in verse 15. And Job's one of the oldest books in the Bible. And God's telling his servant Job about this creature that God made. It's called Behemoth. Behemoth is a big, big animal. And some of the things that God is telling Job, it says that each grass and says, "Lo, now his strength is in his loins." Says he moves his tail like a cedar. Ah. It says his bones are as strong as pieces of brass and God's telling Job that this creature is so big he's chief in the ways of God. So this is a big animal. Now God goes out of his way to describe this creature to Job, much more so than if he'd be describing a horse or an ox or some other type of animal. So let's take a look at this creature. Now there's a lot of people that know that behemoth is a big animal and they say, well, behemoth, it must be God, God must be telling Job about a creature that's an elephant. Maybe behemoth is an elephant, they think. This is even in some of the commentaries down at the bottom of the Bible. You'll read this. Now, the commentary is not the inspired word of God. That's where man writes his notes down. And some people say, well, behemoth is probably a hippopotamus. They're big. But, you know, God's telling Job, Job, look at this creature. He has a tail like a cedar tree. Cedar tree is pretty big. So I went to the zoo and took a picture of the rear end of an elephant. And (laughs) I can promise you that is not like a cedar tree. Maybe, maybe a switch or a twig or a flyswatter. And rear end of the hippo, that's even worse. That's just a little flap of skin back there. Nothing like a cedar tree at all. However, a dinosaur has a tail like a cedar tree. In fact, a dinosaur tail can weigh several tons just in itself. And let's just review some of these things that God is telling his servant Job. God's saying, Job, look at this creature. He has a big stomach around him. Dinosaurs have a big stomach. So does an elephant. But a dinosaur, some of these big sauropods, the big ones, had a lot bigger stomach. God's saying, Job, look at this creature that I made. His bones are like bars of iron. Now, I build life-size dinosaurs. I sculpture them. And a lot of times before I go to, to sculpture my models, I will go to the museums. I've been to the Smithsonian where they put stagosaurs out and I could measure the bones and stuff. I like to do my homework before I sculpture. I want my animals to look as real as at least what I think I can do it. And, and, and sometimes I stand by these fossilized bones and sometimes the dinosaurs, uh, my head will only come to its knee and the dinosaur will tower way on up above me. In fact, the entire length of the di- some dinosaurs can be just about as long as what this room is. And as I stand by these fossilized bones, i got to think of this verse of Scripture. God's telling Job, Job, his bones are like bars of iron. And God says, Job, look at this creature that I made. His tail is like a cedar tree. And I can just imagine that big old tail. <laughs> sweeping over Job's head, and Job, Job seeing this big old giant standing by him. And God says, Job, look at this creature that I made, Job. He's chief in the ways of God. Now, a great big bull elephant, African elephant from Africa, will weigh about seven tons. That's a big one. might get a few that weigh a little bit more, but that would be a big bull elephant. Uh, just a, a, a big a hippopotamus will weigh about three and a half tons. Did you know that an average size... Uh, what boys and girls call a long neck, a big old sauropod dinosaur like this, can weigh between 20 to 40 to 60 tons and even more. Standing side by side, what do you think is going to be chief in the ways of God? Is it going to be a 7-ton elephant? Is it going to be a 3-ton hippo? Is it going to be a 40-ton dinosaur? What do you think? God's saying, Job, this creature is chief in the ways of God right in the very next book of the Bible, it talks about another type of creature that's called Leviathan. And, and some people say, why didn't you mention Leviathan in this talk? So I just, I just put it up there just so you can see because we're talking on dinosaurs. Leviathan certainly fits the description of a dragon, even though dinosaurs fit into that category. Remember what I said? It's a broader brush stroke. We're talking technically about dinosaurs. Leviathan is a fascinating subject. I'll be talking to some about it tomorrow with the boys and girls. Well, why would God create dinosaurs anyway? I mean, what's the use of having them? I've had some people that ask ask me this, but God doesn't have have to have a reason to do anything He wants. Uh, The Bible says that all things were created for His pleasure, but just as surely as we use big animals to do heavy tasks today, can you imagine what these creatures could have done? And we know that they walked in herds. Can you imagine the roads that would be made through a lust jungle with a herd of these guys walking through instant roads, instant trails for sure? And I'm not saying that was ever used for this, but God says that he creates all things for his pleasure. He don't have to have a reason. Well, what do the bones tell us? We can learn a lot from dinosaur bones and fossil bones in general. For instance, using the Bible as our authority and not the opinion of man, we know that all animals, land animals, were created on day six of creation. That's what God teaches us in his word. So this idea that dinosaurs live millions of years before people, there's a big problem there. God says that the land animals were created on day number six with the other animals. Dinosaurs have been included, and people were created on day six. And I can prove it because right there is a picture of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) Don't they look lovely? (laughs) When we find the dinosaur uh, fossils, they don't come with a label on them that says that they're millions of years old, do they? All you find are the bones. I mean, we were just digging up Triceratops last week, and I can promise you there's no label on it. it says I'm 65 million years old. I'm from the Cretaceous period. That's a n- number that's made by man. All you find are the bones. We can learn something else that's very, very important too. Um, for instance, paleontologists have found this. This is not found by creationists. So this is exciting. This is a T. rex bone that appears to be fresh with blood cells that's still in it. Red blood cells in this dinosaur bone not found by... You'd expect me to be biased. I tell you right now, I am biased. I believe the Word of God. That's where I'm coming from. I am very biased in the Word of God. And, and many evolutionists, they're biased about what they believe as well. But I think things like this shows that there's got to be a problem with the millions of years that they're using for, for their evolutionary-type thinking. You find red blood cells, and look at that first picture that's over there. You see that little yellow st- strand? It still stretches. That material still stretches. Now it stretches the imagination to believe that it could be a million years old, let alone 65 million years. In 65 million years that's either going to rot or it has time to fossilize. And to find material like this says there's got to be a problem with those millions of years. And something else we can learn from the bones. This is a famous dinosaur, Sue. In fact I used uh, Sue to to do the measurements on my life-size T-Rex. But if you look at that far side of that rib cage, you can see that there's some knots on that far side of the rib cage. Let me blow it up so you can see it a little bit closer. Hey, this dinosaur's had some trouble. It's it's been in some battles. It's been bruised up. Its ribs have been broken. Well, we know that nothing like this could happen, and God called that very good. The whole reason that you have pain, death, disease, and suffering is because of sin. So the fossil record is full of bones where you see pain, death, disease, and suffering but that couldn't have happened millions of years ago because sin didn't enter, when sin entered the world, that's when things went amok. That's when God punished. That's when death started. That's when thorns and thistles started to grow. Very important that you get a hold of this because this, this might be the most important part of my talk on understanding this. There was no death, disease, and suffering prior to Adam's sin. Sin is what brought that into being. So what do the fossils mean, though? Because they're full of pain, disease, death, disease, and suffering. Well, it fits perfectly with the worldwide flood. I've had some people come up to me and they say, there's no evidence of a worldwide flood. How can you believe it? The evidence is all around us. Almost all fossils are found in what's called sedimentary type rocks. That's a type of rock that's made by sand mud with water. If there really was a worldwide flood and if that event really did take place all over the world, we'd expect all over the world to find all kinds of plants and animals buried inside of rocks that were made out of sand, mud, and water, and that's exactly what we find. So the fossil record is a wonderful testimony of the worldwide flood, and it's a reminder to us that God judges sin. He judged the world the first time with water, and we see the evidence of that. He says he's going to judge it the next time not by water but by what? So that's what the fossil record is really telling us, but Satan has been very clever in putting it in the minds of people that you can't trust God's Word anymore, believe what people say, even though the scientists will change their mind today, or tomorrow, what they say is fact today. But God's Word never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't it exciting to be a Christian? Aren't you excited that we have God's Word? It should send you to the moon. You can trust His Word. You can trust His plan of salvation. You can trust what it says about creation but you better, you better be careful what you trust what man says and get you into a lot of trouble. It doesn't take millions of years to make a fossil. Right here is some fossil fence, fence wire that they found. This is a fossilized hat. It just takes the right conditions to make a fossil. It doesn't take millions of years. In fact, I was just at a museum where, where I'm going to get, I've got to get one of these. Uh, there, there's this, this, this place where they get these roses. Have you ever heard of that? Fossilized roses? They put them they put them in I forget where it is, and the rose fossilizes just within a matter of, uh, of days. They take teddy bears, you can buy fossilized teddy bears and uh, and it's in the right conditions. They fossilize a teddy bear in two weeks. It's really cool I, I I saw this just about a week or so ago. Well, what color were the dinosaurs? I don't know. they might have been purple like Barney for all I know. I, I don't know what color they were. We do have an idea of what the skin texture looked like because once in a while you can find fossilized dinosaur skin and it appears to be kind of pebbly, uh, scaly type of uh, skin that's on dinosaurs, but we don't know what color they'd be. My publisher, Tim Dudley from Mas- Master Books, he says, buddy, whenever we publish pictures of your dinosaurs, he says, man, he says, lighten up. He says, he says it's so boring. He says, you, you paint your dinosaurs brown. He says, you paint them green, gray. He says, lighten them up a little bit. Well, I'm an artist. We get our feelings hurt very easily. I said, so you don't like the way I color my dinosaurs, Tim? Fine. I give you one that's colored differently. (laughs) He says, oh, please go back and do it like you used to. Of course, Tim and I, we're good friends. We just joke with one another. But the truth is, we don't know what color the dinosaurs would be. They could be any color at all. They don't come with a label that says that they're millions of years old. They don't come with a label that tells us what color to paint them just ultimately a number that's made up or, or color that's made up. But I thought for, for the people that's in here today, I'd bring along one of my dinosaurs and I'd show you. We, and, and I painted it a, a camouflage color because we don't know what color. Some of them could have been camouflaged. Would you like to see it? Yeah. Don't sound like you do. Do you, do you really want to see it? Yeah. Well, actually, you've been looking at it all along. <laughs> I told you it was camouflaged. It's right here. Right there. I, I do sometimes this helps. I bring my rope along, it's, sometimes this helps to show, show people where it's at. Dinosaur, so they'll see where you're at. I want you to take my rope. I want you to stretch it real good and tight so they see where you're at. Stretch it tight, real tight, real tight. Good, let go. OK Who says reptiles aren't smart? Okay, jump. These are nice folks. They're not, going, they're not going to hurt you. Come on, jump. Please. If you jump, I'll give you a cookie. Now get down. Good. Stretch it real good and tight. Let go. Just give him a hand, yay. <laughs> but we don't know what color they'd be. We know that dinosaurs laid eggs, and, um, and from an egg like this here is believed to be a T-Rex egg. A T-Rex grew to be about 40 feet long, 40 feet. Uh, the last time I was in here, I said it'd probably be about from here to the wall. That's pretty close. From hatching out of an egg that would be about like this right here, a T-Rex, believed to be a T-Rex egg, we have the original egg, the, the real fossil at the museum of this, and this is just a model that I made of it, so this is certainly not real, but that's how big the egg would be. And somebody might say, now wait a minute, buddy, you, you're trying to tell me, how do you know, for instance, that that would be a T-Rex that in that egg? Well, they, they do a CAT scan where they take a picture down to the egg, and it appears to be the type of dinosaur that would grow to be a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex, which would grow to be about 40 feet long. And that's very believable that it could hatch out of an egg like that. For instance, here is a crocodile, and some crocodiles can grow to be 20 feet long. That'd be a big one for sure, but they hatch out of an egg about like this right here, okay? And the average size of a dinosaur anyway, on the average, is only about the size of a sheep or a small pony. That's the average size. Now, true, some got to be huge giants. I'm saying on the average. They were only about the size of a sheep or a pony, which explains how dinosaurs would have fit on board the ark. Why take a great big giant dinosaur on board Noah's ark when you could take a younger animal that would live longer to reproduce after the flood was over, be uh, easier to take care of, and two, when animals are under stress, they sleep a lot, uh, and it would have and certainly been pretty stressful during that voyage, I'm sure, uh, and then they could, uh, again, live longer to reproduce after the flood was over instead of taking a great big one. I'm not saying they took babies or eggs on board the ark, but I believe that it made sense to take younger animals on board the ark. So a good question is, if dinosaurs went on the ark, they had to come out off the ark, why don't we have dinosaurs in the world today then? Well, animals become extinct? And dinosaurs, no doubt, could not get a good enough toehold. And uh, after the flood was over, no doubt, the habitat, the lush environment that they were used to living in changed greatly. I mean, the world was destroyed, wasn't it? And they were probably not as successful. But when dinosaurs came off the ark, remember what I said? The word dinosaur wasn't even invented yet. So nobody would have called them dinosaurs back then. But the Bible talks about dragons. I believe the ones that came off the ark and went on the ark would have been known what we would call dragons. The Bible talks about dragons over 20 times. Does God lie? If the Bible talks about dragons, you think we might not take that seriously. I think we should, but we live in a day and age where most people are taught that dragons were not real, just mythical creatures made up by man. I think the reason that uh, some people want us to believe that is because they know that people lived with the dragons. The dragon legends and people go together. And, and, the, and the evolutionary theory says that we want, to, we want to make these animals extinct millions of years ago. But dragons and people live together. I am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that dragons and dinosaurs are the very same creature. I tell you what. you look at some of the old dragon drawings and then you look at some of the some of the dinosaur fossils, and you see many times they'll fit together very well. very well. I'm convinced that they are one of the same. Well, what about other kinds of fossils? Well, you find what's called trace fossils. And trace fossils would be like footprints. You can learn something about trace fossils. for instance i it was talking about dinosaurs moving in herds. You can see the tracks of a lot of animals where they move in herds. You can see if there's different groups of dinosaurs by studying the tracks. We've studied tracks a number of times. In fact, I was just talking to a gentleman, a little while ago. what was his name? Joe Palmer. Joe Palmer, yeah, works at a quarry, and he showed me pictures of uh, dinosaur tracks in a quarry. And he says, you're right, buddy. He says, he says on top of that, it's all all this sedimentary type material on top of these rocks. It goes along perfectly with a worldwide flood. It's somebody that's right here in your congregation that does, uh, works in a quarry. And you find these dinosaur tracks. We go down to Texas where we excavate uh, many of these types of dinosaur tracks and you can find a little bit get an idea how fast the dinosaur might have been if it was running or if it was walking. Pretty exciting stuff but something I want you to notice you don't see any tail drags do you? You just find the tracks. Used to be when I was a little boy going to school we'd see pictures of dinosaurs like this right here where they'd be dragging their tails and the scientists have all changed their mind, and I think they're absolutely right on this. They say, we don't think that they drag their tails because you don't find the tail drag. They probably held their tail outright for balance, like this right here. So that's probably absolutely correct. So like I said, we, do, we, we, we agree with, with, with the facts. Uh, it's an interpretation of some facts that we have a problem with. This is a crocodile trail, and you can see where it's dragging its tail, Remember, crocodiles walk sprawl-legged like this right here, and lizards walk this way. They drag their tail. But a dinosaur walked upright. Remember I told you that? And they'd hold their tail out for balance. (laughs) I'm afraid this is exactly what it looks like. (laughs) Certainly a trace fossil. It's what a dinosaur leaves behind when it goes to the bathroom. I think this proves that God has a sense of humor because you can use dinosaur poo to help to defend your faith. And for instance, the reason I say that used to be when um, we'd draw pictures of dinosaurs. There'd be some scientists that say, uh, oh, look at that drawing of that dinosaur, that artist that, that Buddy might have done or whoever would draw the picture. It's obviously they don't know anything about dinosaurs because they put grass in with the dinosaurs. And they say that grass hadn't evolved yet when dinosaurs lived on this earth. We didn't have grass yet. It came low. But if they had to read their Bible, they would know better than that because the Bible tells us that God created the plants on day Three, and so they have done studies slicing dinosaur poo in two and they found now at least five different kinds of grasses in dinosaur uh, dung it's called coprolite, it's the scientific name of it so slowly science catches up to the word of God because God created the plants on day three created the animal, land animals on day six of course there's been grass here if you're real ambitious you can get your PhD and all you have to do all day long slice open dinosaur poo and study <laughs> That's what your ambition is. Well, why can't we find human bones with dinosaurs we're just about ready to wrap this talk up? And, um, and, you know, it used to be a problem for me because I was really hoping that we could find, if we could just find a human bone with a dinosaur, boy, that would settle it. And, and it used to be that, they, they, that when they talk about mastodons, they, they used to not want to put mastodons living with people until they actually found an artifact inside of a, a mastodon bone. And so that obviously. But there's one paleontologist who was asked, what would you guys do if you found a human artifact with a dinosaur bone? He says, well, i cover it up. He says, i keep my mouth shut. Because, you see, they got all this invested in all these books and all this teaching that they have done for, for years now saying that dinosaurs died out way before people uh, were here. But um, we, we don't. It seems to be, be really nice if we could find a human bone with a dinosaur. It used to bother me a lot, but not as much anymore once this was showed to me. This is a fossil record. This big piece of the pie here, the big circle, you can see 95% of the entire fossil record, 95% include shallow marine organisms. Only 5%, that's that little piece that looks like a wedge of cheese coming out. That not only includes dinosaurs, that includes algae, plants, trees, fossils, invertebrates and all vertebrates and just a small slice of of that piece of cheese, that chunk, that wedge would be your dinosaur. So your chances of finding a human bone with that would be very slim in the first place. But they said that this tree died out with the dinosaur at the end of the Cretaceous period, the end of the Mesozoic area about 65 million years ago, not a trace of it any place until they found out that this tree has been contemporary with human beings all along. No place in the fossil record other than the Cretaceous. Same way at the seal of camp feast. They said, if you could find this fish being alive and well, they said, the seal can't. That would, that would be like finding a dinosaur. Guess what? I guess they found a dinosaur. They found out they'd been selling this thing all along in the fish markets in Indonesia. Yep. Because you don't find the bones buried together don't mean that they were not contemporary with one another. And if you could find pictographs and petroglyphs, boy, that would be pretty strong evidence that people and these creatures live together, and you find just that. I've been to this site at least twice. Um, it's at National Bridges Monument. And by the way, you find this all over the world. It's not just isol- one isolated case. It's very well known these days. And it's probably hard for you to see it. Let me to outline it for you where you can see this pictograph of this dinosaur. I have a friend of mine who asked one of the rangers about this. And for instance, if you'd be here... You, you'd see different, there's different drawings, cave paintings, or not cave paintings, but cliff drawings and, and, uh, and, and pictographs all over the, 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 the cave wall. And he says, well, what's this right here? And, and the ranger says, well, that's obviously, uh, that's an Indian in costume, can't you tell? Oh, yeah, Indian costume, okay, yeah. Well, what's this over here? Well, that's an antelope. The Indians are drawing a picture of an antelope. Oh, yeah, I see, it's an antelope. What's this down here? It's a snake, well, what's this right here? It's a horse. Oh, yeah, I can see that's a horse. Well, what's this creature right here? We well, don't know some type of mystical creature. Now, the point is this: if the Indians would draw an Indian to look like an Indian, if they would draw a snake to look like a snake, if they draw a horse to look like a horse, antelope to look like an antelope, why wouldn't they or somebody they knew have explained this animal to them and they drew from those pictures? And you find this all over the world. Well, what happened to the dinosaurs? Current theory, uh, the most popular theory is an asteroid hit the earth and uh, eventually killed, killed all, all the dinosaurs and many other things as well. <laughs> twice now I've heard this because I said man's opinion keeps changing. This has been almost presented as fact for about the last 15, 20 years. But here currently, you know what they're saying? Could be global warming. <laughs> I've heard that at least twice now. And I say, but God's word never changes, does it? We know that the dinosaurs died out. As I said, habitat probably changed. Some of them were hunted and just died out. We didn't start our endangered species program soon enough. When we look at dinosaurs, our facts are the same as the evolutionists. We have the same set of facts, just interpretation of the facts. We agree with this. You see this in many dinosaur books. And for instance, that red line, that would be the different kinds of dinosaurs that you find. And maybe that first red line, that might be what boys and girls would call the long necks, the big old sauropod dinosaurs. We agree with that. Yep, that's what you find. Find all kinds of sauropod dinosaurs. No problem. We agree. That second line might be your ceratopians. Okay, yep, we find stagosaurs, or not stagosaurs, but you find triceratops, styracosaurs, and uh, different types of dinosaurs of that kind. Yep, we agree with that. No problem. We, we agree with you, paleontologists. Sure do. Second line, or third line, might, it might be your dromaeosaurs, like Velociraptor, uh, uh, different types of dinosaurs like that. We agree with that. What, what, what fools people... Is, is not the red lines, but those white lines. That's what they have not found. But people look at those white lines, and they presume, well, we found all this stuff. It goes back to a common an- ancestor. No, that's, what, that's what's made up. So that means it's based on faith. What does the Bible tell us about faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That works for evolution, just like it does for creation. Only our faith is a real faith. You can trust God's Word. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, even the dinosaurs. And I, you can tell that I, I hope that it's come through, that I have a passion for this ministry as I wind this up. And you can have all the answers on creation and we're told to be able to defend our faith. We need to do that in this world we're living today because I can tell you, I promise you that it's taking young people away from the church. They're not going to believe anymore. Because by and large, praise God, you have pastors here that, that sees the need for this type of ministry. But I can tell you, most churches that we go to, the pastor don't even show up. They don't think it's important. Just trust the Bible. And they don't preach on creation. They don't tell anything about, being, uh, about God being the creator and showing people how we can defend our faith. Just trust in Jesus. Simply trust in Jesus. These young people will go to, to, to school and they go to college and universities. And they're preaching daily from their pulpits on evolution, books, magazines, television. You you, you see if I'm I'm right on this. And they're walking away because we've not showed them how to defend their faith. It's important that we show people how to defend their faith in this world that we're living today. And we can do that. But you can have all the answers. But if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you still go to hell. That's pretty serious. It all boils down to what do you do with Jesus Christ, who is the creator? Do you trust his word? Do you believe what he, what he said about creation? Well, if you don't believe what he said, I mean, if we got it wrong in the first book of the Bible, how do we know that Jesus walked on water? We've never seen that happen. How, how, how do we know that he really uh, raised the dead man? How do we know that about Jesus, a, a virgin birth? Science has never proved that. What parts do we pick and choose? not up to us this is the word of god and we need to trust the word and god hook line and sinker or we're wasting our time here because we wouldn't know what to believe this is a special book and once you know that you can trust the bible you can believe what he says about salvation have you made jesus christ your lord and savior have you trusted him or you just are you just a christian because well mom and dad mom and dad's christian i guess i'm a christian too i'm a christian no it's a personal commitment to jesus christ Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says we're all sinners. Boy, that includes me. You follow me around my dinosaur shop sometimes and things are not going right, you see the hammer flying out the window. You know, I'm a sinner like everybody else. I have the same problems that everybody else. I'm saved by one thing only, and that's by the blood of Jesus Christ, what he's done for me. I put all my faith in him. and Nothing that I can do can earn it. Watching television the other day and showed this sports figure standing up, and boy, you big hero. He says, oh, just live a good life. Everybody's going to get to heaven. Just be good. Lie straight from the pit of hell. That's what Satan would want you to believe. Jesus says, not Buddy Davis. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. One way only. And I tell you, once you get a hold of that, he don't give us all these rules and regulations because he's his mean, stern judge. He loves us, and he's got rules and regulations because he cares for us. You see your little child going across the street, you pull him back, won't you? Because you love that child. He's got rules and things for us because he knows what's best for us. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Be sure you're in heaven. Be there. Don't miss out on that. Pastor, if I can spend just one minute, I'll very quickly go through this. So, a big part of our ministry at Answers in Genesis is getting literature into people's hands. And, um, and we know that people will forget about what we said. 90% of what, we, what I've just said, you, you can't retain That's human nature. So that's why we like to get literature into people's hands. Good way of keeping up with us in our museum is there's a free newsletter that you can sign up for out there. And, uh, and it tells you about what's going on at the museum. People often ask me, buddy, if we could buy one book, uh, what would you recommend? And I say, these two. <laughs> Where did Cain get his wife? What about carbon dating? Where did the water from the floods come from? The Answers book, just wonderful ways of, of being able to defend your faith. I'm a singer. I only did one song for you this morning, but tonight we'll do a bunch more. Uh, I've got my CDs out there. This is my newest DVD. It's got a wonderful salvation message in there for boys and girls. And we talk about the animal kinds. We've got all kinds of animals, but it stays within the kind. You don't find one animal evolving from another. All kinds of dogs, but a dog is a dog. I used to watch, when I went to school, they'd say, How can you deny evolution? Look at all the variety of dogs. And I was led to believe that the dog, I see all these variety dogs, certainly evolved in something else, but dog's always a dog. I, I, we could show you all kinds of horses, we've got all kinds of horses, but a horse is always what? Uh, we, we, and so it goes. Uh, and so God created the different kinds. I'm teaching boys and girls this and some fun songs along with it. Hymns of the Wildwood. I do, um, uh, we'll do some of this tonight, so I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that. You come back tonight, you know more about that. Our video has won seven different awards. This is one that Ken and I did together. It's very popular. I think it sold something like 250,000 uh, um, uh, copies so far. Designed to do what it does do, obviously, for small children. I was the artist. Ken wrote the, w- wrote the story. Since I was the artist, I drew a, drew a picture of Ken, my boss. <laughs> he said, that's not fair. You've got to draw a picture of yourself. So. All right. And so my wife, my wife, she travels with me. She's the one that books me whenever I go someplace. People get a hold of her. We wrote these books together. And uh, the Dragon's Hearts were good. And the great, this is where I went to Alaska and found dinosaur bones that appear to be on fossilized. I wrote this book well of a story. And awesome girls started a fan club for me. And I'm embarrassed to tell about this, but this is not my fan club, okay? But I promised them because they worked hard on it. Some homeschool children. It says, buddy, we like what you do, and we want a ministry. We're going to start a fan club for you. And so they got some cards back there if you're interested. They got cartoons that you can download. Shows how I build the dinosaurs. They've done a lot of work. And shows me building dinosaurs from my sketch all the way to the finished model. And I live in a log cabin. We built a covered bridge on a farm. Shows the covered bridge being built. Just a fun thing. If you're interested, uh, uh, you can take a look at it. Thanks for listening. Uh, You've been really patient with me. I hope I haven't put you to sleep too much. And uh, God bless you. I hope you come back tonight and we'll do some music tonight.